1: Need we say more? For Trusted Protection Trust
0: Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for
1: exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Hello
0: and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the face of motherhood. This is Margaret and today I am talking to Raina Boston. Reina is a mom of three and co-founder of the nonprofit Chamber of Mothers. She is an advocate for working families and a human resources professional. Reina is also the founder of the Working Momtras, an online community designed to help empower moms to resign from doing it all and lean into their inherent
2: worth. Welcome, Reina. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: I'm excited to talk to you today. We're talking mom scams. We like to start by defining the problem. So what is a mom scam? Is it kind of the way we get tricked into believing things that are not helpful to us? How do you define a mom scam?
2: So I just start with the scam, right? Like (laughs) I start with, okay, who profits or benefits from the notion of XYZ? Is it who profits or benefits Mm. from the notion that I need to be a size six? Who profits or benefits from the notion that as a mother, Mm. I should just feel guilty all the time for living my life, for being a human being outside of being a mom? Who profits or benefits from the notion that I should be doing it all, having it all? And that's where I start with that is anything that is designed to disconnect me from my own agency Mm. and have me living some templated version of good mom TM is probably a scam.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I love that. We were just talking to the women who created the Good Moms Bad Choices podcast. And the idea of good mom is a rich text, as they say. I mean, you could do a very deep dive into like what who created the definition of what a good mom looks like and why we're all chasing something that might, you know, not serve us that well. Let's start with the idea of mom guilt as a mom scam.
2: I mean, deep sigh. (laughs) Let me just start there. (laughs) Let's
0: start with a very deep sigh, people. Uh,
2: Let's all just have a collective sigh. (laughs) When I think about mom guilt, I will often see it of like, I follow this woman on Instagram. She is Mm -hmm. the head of like this fancy schmancy stroller band brand. And she'll occasionally do ask me anything. And the first question that she always gets whenever she's traveling somewhere to do something for work is how do you manage the mom guilt? And I'm thinking to myself, Mm. why is this the first question that comes to your mind And also, what I see is someone who is providing for her family, and getting to do really neat things. And they obviously value her opinion, her expertise, her thought leadership so much that they are flying her all over the world. What the hell is there to be guilty about for that? Why should she feel guilty?
0: Right. And certainly that is not a question that a male CEO of a company is getting, right? You don't stand up at the conference and first get the question, well, how do you do it all? Where are your kids? You know, like
2: who's taking care of them? Who's taking care of your kids? Where, are the wolves raising them while you're doing all this? Right.
0: Yeah. And so, as you said, which I think is a really interesting perspective, like, where is this idea coming from? Where do you see the idea of mom guilt originating in terms of, remind me what you said, who's profiting from it and who's holding it up, right? Who profits
2: or who benefits? Who
0: benefits. Okay. Yeah.
2: When I think about who benefits, I think about the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. I think about how the patriarchy is propped up when women in particular feel like, They should be guilty for pursuing interests and passions that don't have anything to do with their family or their kids. I also think about like gender norms like we would expect. And I think Mm -hmm. societally, even though we've evolved, even though the data shows that, you know, there are a lot of people working in various ways that there is this expectation on women in particular that they have the choice to stay at home in whenever they have that choice, it should always be that they are choosing to stay at home and whatever way, however that works out, right? Meaning that your kids are the most important people and your ambitions, your dreams, your goals, like those all go to die when you become a mom. Mm -hmm. And I just see that like so much with, you know, who profits or benefits, like, the patriarchy profits or benefits mm-hmm. when you don't feel like you should be a fully realized person outside of your nuclear family structure. Because if you have somebody who is constantly feeling guilty, how are they managing that? They're going to just continue to do more, they're going to continue to try and prove to you or whoever else that you, you know, your first devotion is this family structure. And not yourself anymore
0: right because economically it works well for moms to have to do literally everything Mm -hmm. like if they choose to work they still need to be tending the home because that keeps the system that has always been kind of in place
2: right right and it reinforces gender norms too I actually was, have just finished this book called Equal Partners by Kate Mangino.
0: We had her on the podcast talking about it. So good. That book, if you go back and listen to our episode with Kate Mangino and her book, Equal Partners, because it's super interesting on this topic. Sorry, go ahead.
2: No, it was so good. And it also gave me so much to think about like, Even the role of a provider, thinking that that is like the male Mm -hmm. coded role of the male is supposed to provide, there's so much that needs to be provided. It's not just money, it's care tasks, it's organization, it's managing the mental load. So the fact that one person and that person has to be the woman is then managing all of those things is a scam when anybody could do it. Yes. It's a total scam. And I think it's super
0: interesting. I think that sometimes people hear things like patriarchy and they think, oh, here we go, the patriarchy, oh, it's someone else's. I think it's really interesting to drill down on it personally, because it is as gender norms have changed immensely. I remember my mother talking about being, she was probably 32. She did not have kids. She wasn't married. And that would people would constantly say to her like, Oh, you chose a career over having a family. That was like a default thing that people would just give voice to all the time. She ended up happened to get married at 33 and went on to have four kids. But that the idea that Oh, you're a person who chose door number two, having a career, instead of door number one, being a wife and mom. That those were extremely binary choices in the 60s, let's say when my mom was doing this. That now that concept seems a little bit absurd to us, but that the mom guilt is still playing this role of like, well, you have it all, but you have to feel bad about it in some way.
2: Yeah, I think so. But I also think about, well, I feel like when we say can you have it all, it means can you have everything that a man has, right? You have the career, Mm. have the family, have the house that's sparkling. But I feel like by and large, men have it all because women or their female partner do it all. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that there's ever going to be any having it all for women, so long as they're also having to do it all too. There's just not, you know, there's not enough space, time, energy. Mm. So the scam is you're constantly chasing that thing, but you're saddled with all of the things that, you know, if you're thinking about a male coded role they're able to have it all because somebody's doing all of those tasks that they're not sharing the equal weight in. And so, I don't know, I've just been kicking that around the office since I read that book. Wow, like we, it's a fool's errand to ever think that women can have it all so long as they're still also expected to maintain the home, have kids that look and behave perfectly, who are constantly being asked if you know they feel mom guilt for being a person outside of their family structure. Mm-hmm. It just feels like a Sisyphean task.
0: Yes, it feels like it intellectually and also day to day. It really feels like a Sisyphean task. I'm talking to Raina Boston, and we will be right back.
1: Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew and believe it or not this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro <laughs> aunt at this yes. point. Our family has seen a lot of babies and as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead,
0: they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one.
1: Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at them. And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into.
0: You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier? Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For Trusted Protection Trust, Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand.
1: Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, When you've got kids, as just about everybody listening to this right now does, you're probably looking at what they eat and seriously wondering how they could possibly be getting all of the vitamins and minerals they need to grow big and strong.
0: That's why Haya was created, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin for kids. Haya fills the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need. And yes, Even your picky eaters
1: will approve. I know mine does. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables. Then it's supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals to help support our kids' growing brains and bodies. And
0: Haya vitamins are sent straight to your door, which means you set it and forget it and give yourself one less thing to worry about.
1: We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash fresh. This deal is not available on their regular
0: website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H HayaHealth.com slash fresh to get your kids the full
3: I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.
0: So, as we talk about this concept of mom scams, I really like this idea of like breaking down these ideas. In terms of like, this is a scam, we're being put on by this notion. And we are being fed this complete illusion of, as you say, the idea of having it all actually doesn't exist in the way that our systems currently operate. So, Is the idea then to try to operate outside the system, dismantle the system? Like what, when we think about this idea of starting to dismantle mom guilt, do you think it starts internally and works outward, outwardly and works backwards? How do you see that?
2: I think it's first it has to start internally, right? Mm -hmm. So when I encounter mom guilt in my own life, I need to ask myself, is this like true guilt? Am I truly feeling guilty for something? Or is this something somebody else has handed to me? Is this a societal expectation? Mm. Is this mine to own? Or can I give it back to that person, entity, system, structure, whatever? I think that's a really good first step and also asking who profits or benefits from my guilt or whatever the case may be. And then I think once you start to question that in yourself, you're going to have no choice but to want to knock all this stuff over, right? Because you're going to see, oh, like, you're going to be able to identify the scam in yourself first. But then you're going to start to be able to see it societally, structurally, systemically. And, you know, that kind of leads me to my work with Chamber of Mothers is we were all mad as hell that we were on the precipice of having paid family leave in this country. And it just got taken away, particularly after Mm. women and mothers put this country on our backs to prevent economic collapse and keep this thing moving, Mm -hmm. to keep our kids educated by homeschooling, to work from home and manage all of these things at one time. And so to be so close to having paid leave to be able to take care of ourselves, bond with our children, and oh, on the flip side, this was paid leave that was for chosen family. It was for everybody. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we often see or something that I encounter a lot in my work is that men don't feel like they can take leave when their partner has a baby. And so when you think about how gender roles are such a scam in that way, that they would have somebody believe that, It's not important for them as a male or a man in this very heteronormative way that I'm speaking to take care of their partner after this big, life changing, earth shattering, marriage shifting event. It's a scam. Like I just can't. That is kind of what drove me into the advocacy piece of this work of creating systemic change. But it was first started with me seeing it in my own life and questioning things within my own life.
0: I think it's really interesting, something that you hit upon, because I think sometimes we talk about gender roles, patriarchy, and people feel like, oh, this is a fight between genders somehow, or this pits us against our spouses somehow. And I think one of the things you tapped into there was really vital to this is these kind of systems don't really serve anybody. The idea that like you can't be home, if you're a male, you aren't expected or you have to fight to be home with your family to spend time with your kids. There's a negative impact for men in this equation as well.
2: Absolutely. So there's a study and I think it was done by McKinsey and it said that men who take paternity leave have deeper bonds with their kids, their relationships improve, Mm -hmm. they take on more of the mental emotional load, they take on more are able to better notice the things that happen in the home. And I think to myself, that is how we get to gender equality. That's how we get to parity. That's how we get to any type of advancement is both people feeling that weight, both people having that time to bond and connect. The other thing that I think about, and I feel like the thought just left my mind is when you say (laughs) that it harms all of us, one of the pushbacks that I get to men taking leave is they'll say, or the woman in the relationship will say, well, my husband, he was going to miss out on a promotion. He was going to miss out on a bonus. He was going to miss out on this. And I said, Mm -hmm. you're so close to the point. Mm. If everybody had to take that time away to care That's right. The system would not disproportionately harm women. The pay gap would not be as strong and wide and vast and almost feeling insurmountable, uncrossable, unreachable as it is if everybody had to take on these types of care tasks. And I think that's just something that we should all be thinking about, is that there is a cost when one gender is solely tasked with that, And it also uh, reinforces and perpetuates harmful systems.
0: And I think I really appreciate a lens that brings the sort of, quote unquote, political to people, something that's happening that involves like government and policy. So into like, let's look at the anecdotal way this affects us. And when I had my kids, we were just discussing this this morning, like, not in a good way. My husband had a job that was somewhat tenuous and he was not in a power position at all. And I had my first child on a Friday and he came to the birth and then was back at work on Monday, full time, was not able to take time away. We ended up having three kids in four years and it became a really personal problem between the two of us where I really resented him being at work all the time while I had three kids and four, and he kind of resented me for being quote-unquote home, you know, not having to go off to work. And the amount of conflict it causes within the home when you are pulled by larger forces in different directions it's not really a political issue. It's an issue of like, how do we make a family structure? Everybody wants to tell us the family is the center. You know, the family is so important. But then if you have to do work that kind of pits husband against wife and spouse against spouse, it's not political. It's very, very personal. It's happening within your own home if your spouse does not have the option to take some time off and be with his family.
2: Mm-hmm. The, I feel like parenting has been one of those things that has radicalized me the most into seeing that yes. this, the way that I have chosen to procreate, have kids, have a family, how that has radicalized me. And I feel like we could be doing better for people in this nation on so many different levels. Mm-hmm. And also the only way to do that is through political action. and And also the systems and the structures in place make it so that we are so tired and beaten down, that how could we possibly engage to make the personal political in making our voices heard and creating systemic change. You mentioned like the forces kind of pitting each other against one another. And we tell women that the best thing they could do is be there for their kids, especially when they're little, don't miss a moment, blah, 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 blah. Right. But we also at the same time, don't treat that as work it is work. It is labor. It is vital. It is, I mean, I could go on and on and on about how stay at home parents work. That is work. Yeah. And so to even be able to recognize that like within a marriage, within a partnership of Me being home allows you to do whatever it is you do all day in your office and succeed without having to worry about all of these things, without having to manage all of those things. And I also think a scam, another scam is to say that stay-at-home parents don't work. They absolutely do work. It is absolutely labor. Absolutely.
0: And it's the kind of thing I feel like we acknowledge on like Hallmark cards. It's like, oh, the hardest job in the world. But right, that's where it stops. The kind of... Acknowledgement of the hardest job in the world, but not seeing at all that not attaching any financial. It's platitudes. Realities and gain to it. Yes. That you don't see. That's right. That like the ability to actually connect parenthood and work in an equitable way for both partners, it does sometimes seem 10,000 miles away.
2: Right. I also think that in and of as much as possible, stay at home parents should be talking about their work as work. Mm. I don't think that we like I see kind of a push to say, like, we shouldn't say working mom, or we don't call working dads, working dads. And you know, there's reasons for that, right? But like, what if we all just talked about the work that we're doing as work? Yeah, it doesn't mean like, I enjoy a lot of the work that I do. And it's still work, I enjoy being a parent. And it is still work. So what if we talked about our work inside and outside the home as, as work? Yeah. As opposed to trying to declassify it, as too, of, of not using those terms. What if we just broadened it?
0: Yeah. I'm all in. I'm all for broadening it. I am talking to Rada Boston, and we will be right back. Lynn, this time of year,
4: parenting can be such a fluster clux. You've come to the right place.
0: I want to talk a little bit more. You talked about it before the break about Chamber of Mothers and federal paid family leave. And I want to really drill down to the smallest piece of it and imagine that we are talking to people who have never heard the term federal paid family leave and talk. Can you tell us what it is, why it's important, and what the status of it is currently?
2: Sure. So we say federal paid family leave, and what I mean by leave, it's time away to take care of yourself if you're sick, time to recover after childbirth, time to take care of an ailing or sick loved one. It captures all of those things. So it is broad, and it's expansive, and it is paid, meaning that we know that separating people from finances when they are ill or recovering or welcoming a baby to the family could be financially disastrous. And we need to be supporting people through that tra- those transitions, whatever they may look like, financially, because not only is it good for the individual, but it's good for our country to have people who are able to truly recover and not also be saddled with the financial piece of managing all of this. like I just can't think of a worse time to separate somebody from their finances when they physically cannot work.
6: Yeah.
0: And I think it's interesting because we think of family leave. I think a lot of people think of family leave as uh, maternity Mm -hmm. leave, that they're the same thing and that you point out that they're not. They're about family care, which again, we give a lot of voice to as like, oh, the family, this is what matters and people, oh, why don't we take care of our elders like they do in certain places? And then there's no way, I mean, for a lot of us, we talk about the sandwich generation stuff who are caring for younger kids and aging parents at the same time. And the finances of that are staggering, absolutely staggering.
2: Yes. And also, you have, you know, what happens is it's typically the person who is lower paid who is quitting their work to take care of these things. Mm-hmm. And the person who is lower paid is the woman because of the wage gap in our country. So it's one of those things that perpetuates another failure in our system. And so when we also talk about paid family leave, it's, you know, you're taking care of a loved one that's recovering. So It would be for men to take paternity leave or Mm -hmm. help support the family as you all are managing this transition into welcoming a new person into your life that, oh, by the way, is very expensive.
0: (laughs) And what's the status of uh, federal paid family
2: leave? The status of federal paid family leave is that it's stalled. Mm -hmm. So we got very close to having this included and build back better. And it was stripped from that bill. And so it's stalled on the federal level. And what is happening on the state level is that a lot of states are seeing the benefits of having a paid leave program, and they are rolling those out. So I think Minnesota was the most recent one, I feel like we're somewhere like around 1113, let's say a dozen states offer it. But it's we're seeing it more at the state level as it's being pushed. And the reason that Chamber of Mothers is so supportive of a federal paid leave, it's not fair, right? It's not fair that people who are lucky enough to live in a state that offers it are separated from, you know, their finances and all of these things. But also on the business side, what is the cost for companies having to manage multiple different leave programs? Like we often talk about paid leave as just like this drain on it's expensive, it's, you know, this, it's that, but we're already paying the cost for it when we don't allow people to recover health wise, it just means that they're going to have to take more time at a later time. We're going to be paying those costs when the data shows that moms, maternal health and infant health is improved when they all have the time to be off for everybody to get to their doctor's appointments. And again, like I mentioned before, businesses are paying some costs when they are having to manage and comply with laws that vary based on the state and are paying leave administrators. So to me, I look at those discussions of cost and I just kind of roll my eyes a little bit because it's an investment. It's an investment in our nation. It's short term costs, long term costs, right? Yeah. We're paying the cost either way. Would you rather pay to prevent And create something better or be managing problems.
0: Let's talk a little bit about um, maternal health care policies, which I know is another passion of yours and your organization. It's connected to paid family leave, but there are issues that are unique to maternal health care. Can you talk about some of those
2: issues? Sure. So, right now, we are in a maternal health crisis in this country. I would say that we're all impacted, but Black and Indigenous women are seeing some of the worst of it meaning that their maternal mortality is increased which why in this day and age are we talking about women dying in childbirth like it's just wild to me we focus a lot of our efforts on that and we also know that connecting it back to paid leave maternal health is improved when people have time off to go to their follow-up appointments, when they're able to better manage their health. And it's the same for their kids. If nobody's home to take, make sure your kids are able to make their doctor's appointments for their vaccines or monitor their health, that impacts the child's health. The other thing that we should mention or talk about is studies show that if you are disconnected from money, if you don't have money and you're recovering from childbirth and your bills are still coming, that impacts your mental health and it increased rates of depression and anxiety. So those are all health, all related, all connected. And all of those things, you know, our, our other pillars, childcare. If you don't have access to childcare, if you don't have access to finances, if you don't have access to support, all of that impacts your maternal health and it impacts the health of your family. So it is truly all connected.
0: Yeah. It's such a good point that the stress, I mean, people are like, ah, people are stressed, but the stress having been through it and other people, it's like the stress of trying to figure out how are you going to, care for a relative who needs care when you don't have time off and the exponential costs. And I think that we sometimes wave away stress as like, oh, stress, everyone's stressed. Oh, we're stressed. It's stressful. But those kind of stressors are profound. They are so difficult, like the worry that you feel over not being able to literally make the ends meet in terms of finances. And then just in terms of where is my baby going to be while I have to be in this or that place, that stuff is so profound. And I I know it kind of anecdotally gets limped under like, yeah, it's stressful to be a mom. Like maybe it actually doesn't have to be quite this stressful. There are fixes to it.
2: Right. The things that we can manage as a society, as a nation, we should absolutely be managing, right? It's already stressful enough, as you are alluding to, to have a new baby, to take care of a loved one who's maybe at the end of their life, maybe managing a very stressful condition. Why would we lump something else onto that person? What about that feels healthy as a nation? What about that feels like the greatest nation in the world is treating their citizens like that? hmm it's absurd.
0: All right. So we have a listener who's listening. They're fired up. They're like Team Reina. They agree. How can they get involved? How can they find Chamber of Mothers and get involved with this work that you're doing?
2: Sure. We are very active on Instagram. So you can find us on social media there. You can go to our website and opt into our emails. And that's where we are talking about in depth more about what we're doing. We are doing legislative fly-ins. So we are able to actually talk to lawmakers on both sides of the aisle about, you know, the things that we're seeing, the things that we are advocating for. We have another fly-in scheduled for the end of July where we're going to be talking specifically about the momnibus and how that's, you know, coming back up and how we are advocating for the policies that are included in that bill. And you can talk, we also talk about chapter meetings. So one of the cool things that we've actually rolled out is local chapter meetings where you can get plugged into your community on along these three pillars and you're doing it with somebody else. So you're not going it alone. I know that politically it can feel so overwhelming. I'm just one person. Mm -hmm. How can I make change? I have so much going on. And we found that when people are able to do this in community and feel like they are working towards a common goal of really, which is uniting mothers as advocates to create the country they'd like to bestow on future generations. And they want their kids to inherit that is really powerful. Mm -hmm. And so I would just encourage you to find us there to subscribe to our emails and along with us and join us.
0: And like you said, I like the idea that like you're talking to people from both sides. It's not politics like we've come to think of it like I'm red, you're blue and we hate each other. It's the politics of moms and coming from a place of like we're going to advocate for what makes sense for mothers.
2: Exactly. And I think that We've talked a lot about paid leave. Paid leave has bipartisan support amongst voters. Mm -hmm. They really want it. It's popular. Now, we might not agree on the means of how to get there, but we can all agree that new mothers and families should be able to bond with their baby. We can all agree that people should not be forced back to work two, three, four, five, six weeks after having a baby. We can all agree that if your mom or dad gets sick, that you should be able to support them in their time of need and not go broke in the process. So Mm -hmm. it's not a red or a blue issue. This is, we are creating a country that makes sense for all of us.
0: We will link to Chamber of Mothers in the show notes so you can find them. Also, Raina, I want to talk to you before you go about working
2: momtress. Okay, sure. So this is like my Passion project where I write a lot about working motherhood, and I just want to caveat that by saying all moms work. Yes, and I talk a lot about the scams of motherhood, I talk a lot about not doing it all, and I talk a lot about you know, I know that yes, of course, I'm a mom, but that's not the only thing that I am, right? There are things that I am passionate about. And that one of those things is writing. So I write a lot about my experience of being a mother, of being a mom that also works in the corporate sense. And we've created a fun little community over there over the past couple of years.
0: Super fun. Very insightful. You talk. One of the things that resonated a lot with me is the like the that mom, like trying to be that mom. And we talked a little bit about about it, having it all and like letting It's a lot about, I think, self-acceptance, you know, and figuring out how to be the mom that makes sense in your own life and not the mom that some larger system or some Instagram post has convinced you that you're supposed to be.
2: Exactly. It's about doing a whole lot less and being happy with that and doing, when I say doing less, I mean doing enough. We are all doing enough. Yes. There is nothing else that we need to do to be more worthy. If we Make the cute bento box lunch with the fun cutouts of the sandwiches. We are not be really as a mom or better or worse. It just is. It can be neutral. You can just... If that lights you up, if that brings you joy, as Marie Kondo would say, do it. If it doesn't, right, get them the school lunch. It doesn't make you a good or bad mom. You're already doing it.
0: It's such good advice. And we will link to working mom, Trust as well. Reina, this was a great conversation. I know you got a bunch of our listeners fired up. They're going to be coming to find you at Chamber of Mothers. We will link to everywhere you can find Reina. And Raina, thanks
2: so much for talking to us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure.
6: Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katiyoon Payani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom and Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.